Hello friends, Brian Gailey, Klamath Falls News. Welcome to Ask Klamath. It's episode eight, season four. We're joined here today by Colonel Jeff Edwards. Thank you for being here. He is the new commander of the 173rd. You're about two weeks in now? Yes. Thank you, Brian, for having me here. All right. We're going to be talking about what's happening with Kingsley Field, the future of Kingsley Field, and we're going to be taking your questions live. But before we get all of that, Samantha, yes, I said Samantha, Brandon's not here. My other child is here running the show. Samantha, roll that intro. Hello, friends. As I said, Brian Gailey, Klamath Falls News. Welcome here to Ask Klamath. It is our 40th episode of Ask Klamath. We're joined here today by Colonel Jeff Edwards. Colonel, thank you for being here. I appreciate you being here with us today. Uh, we're airing this live. It is June 19, 2019. Um, I got a little bit of a bio here that was given to me. I actually was given a very long bio for you. There's, you've done a lot of things, a lot of accomplishments. But to summarize that, uh, Colonel Edwards is, as I said, the new commander of the 173rd Fighter Wing, replacing the outgoing Colonel Jeff Smith. Jeff and Jeff, that's easy to get confused, isn't it? Definitely. <laughs> um, we'll talk a bit about what your duties are as, as the commander, but uh, some of the accomplishments that helped you get to where you are. Uh, 2005, he's the 173rd's Fighting Wing Instructor Pilot of the Year. In 2006, the U.S. Air Force Weapons School F-15 Academic Award, um, the 19th Air Force Air-to-Air Fighter Pilot Instructor of the Year in 2008. You've got over 3,000 hours in the F-15, including 52 combat sorties. Those are the actual missions, right? Right. 52 <laughs> combat missions in Operation Allied Force in Operation Southern Watch. That's a lot of cool stuff. But I know there's some things in there we missed. What are some of those things that we missed that helped you get to where you are today? Yeah, Brian, so I think uh, the biggest thing that helps you get to where you are today is the people that train you along the way. So starting off uh, my time at the Air Force Academy, the instructors were very motivational there and encouraging to all the cadets and to the opportunities available. And then when I got into the Air Force as a lieutenant in the flying training world, the instructors were very caring and outstanding professional and really inspirational and in getting you to where you needed to be in your flying career to serve in the Air Force. Awesome. So that must have been a big inspiration to you to be instructor yourself. Absolutely. Quickly found a special place in my heart, even to this day. I flew a mission yesterday with a student, and I love it just as much as I did 15 years ago teaching F-15 students. It's definitely a great thing to be able to do. That is really cool. Commander of the 173rd, and he's still in the air. So that is awesome. Uh, guys, we're going to be taking your questions. If you have questions for, for Colonel Edwards here, go ahead and get those in the comments below. We'll be getting to those a little bit later. But before we get to those questions, I do have a few for you as well. Uh, how did you actually get started in the Air Force? Yeah, Brian, so when I was a kid, I uh, quickly fell in love with aviation. I remember going and seeing the Thunderbirds at a few air shows in my home state of uh, North Dakota. And I thought, hey, that's something I want to do. Yeah. And I uh, got quickly interested in that and decided, hey, I want to attend the Air Force Academy. And I applied, got accepted in 1991. I started there and then graduated in 1995 and got accepted into pilot training. And then from there, I uh, went to pilot training in Texas and uh, was fortunate to be able to get an F-15 assignment. Uh, went through training there and got into the F-15 business uh, shortly thereafter. 
I was an F-15 instructor pilot at Tyndall Air Force Base in Florida. And then after a few years, I was able to join on here at Kingsley Field and become an instructor here at the F-15 schoolhouse. Nice. So would you say the F-15 found you or did you choose the F-15? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. You know, I remember assignment night, the night before you graduate at pilot training, and you have a selection of, hey, here's the airplanes that are available. Quite frankly, I, I think on that night, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to choose, but uh, I knew I wanted to try to fly a fighter, and the F-15 was available, and I... I thought, yeah, I think that's the one, and I've never looked back since. It's awesome. been a great opportunity. Well, very good. You, How long have you been in the, in the service now? Uh, 24 years. 24 years. So yeah. out of your 24 years serving this country, and thank you for doing that, by the way, what would you say has been your favorite part? Absolutely the most favorite part has been being in the flying training business and teaching uh, students how to fly the F-15. And in that business, I think the, what's so rewarding about it is, is working with outstanding people, mm -hmm. just phenomenal people that work together as a big team to get jets in the air, to support our student training, and ultimately graduate new fighter pilots for the Air Force. On the flip side of that, what is your least favorite thing? Well, considering my love of flying, I think the least favorite thing was when I had to do a, a one-year non-flying assignment to Korea. I remember getting that assignment. I actually volunteered for it. And the first month or two of not flying was kind of tough. But mm -hmm. then what I realized is, hey, there's some real opportunity here to work with people in air defense planning, which I was involved in Korea. And I made some outstanding friends. I got to meet people from other services in our allied countries. It's an outstanding experience overall. I think the most difficult thing was uh, being away from family for that year, as all of our deployed um, military members know that feeling. Mm -hmm. But in the end, it was a great opportunity. I sure appreciate it. That's awesome. It, it, so it, it may not be your favorite thing, but it still was a thing that you it made you who you are. Absolutely. I think it's like many things where there might uh, be some initial discomfort, but if you uh, look to try to make it a great opportunity and reach out and connect with other people and become a part of a team, I think it can be a rewarding experience for you. So a couple weeks in on the job now as commander, what is going to be your number one priority <coughs> as commander? Yeah, our number one priority is to continue excellence in our primary mission of training F-15 pilots, and, and our, our secret ingredient in that is our people. Uh, we got fantastic people, so we've got to take care of our people, and that means making sure that we're providing the proper resources and equipment, and most importantly, really investing in their uh, development as leaders at all levels. Mm -hmm. And I think with that strong team, we'll be able to uh, meet our number one priority, which is to excellence in that mission accomplishment of F-15 student training. Nice. And you, you mentioned people being being your asset. I actually hear that a lot from people in the same seat you're in on these interviews. Their biggest asset for their business or their organization is the people that they have. That's that's just awesome. Uh, and it's good to hear that the, the Kingsley is no different. Absolutely. That. Phenomenal group of people. And um, it's been a great opportunity to, to work with that team. Awesome. So we're going to actually take our first break here. Um, we're going to have more questions, more time here with Colonel Edwards. If you've got a question for him, go ahead and get that in the comments below. We're going to be addressing those in just a little bit. Guys, we'll be right back in just two minutes. People say I got a drink. Big shows at this year's Klamath County Fair. Thursday night, August 1st, rooted in tradition in both sound and style, the Trio Midland. Large and cigarettes burn out. 
The 2018 ACM Awards New Vocal Group of the Year, Midland, Thursday night, August 1st. Pre-sale party zone tickets are 30 bucks and general admission are 10. Friday night, August 2nd, newcomer John Wolf will bring world-class country music from the American heartland to the stage at the Klamath County Fairgrounds. John Wolf. It's that girl in Texas. Pre-sale party zone tickets are $10 each. And Saturday night, August 3rd, touting several platinum-selling albums, 10 number one singles, and multiple ACM and CMA awards. And now at the Klamath County Fair, Lone Star. Pre-sale party zone tickets are $15 and general admission are 10 at the fairgrounds and online at KlamathCountyFair.com. You can have your car taken to the shop of your choice. So my friend had her car taken to Excel Auto Body because she heard about their reputation for excellent work. They even gave her a written warranty that's good for as long as she owns that car. So Excel Auto Body is a very smart choice. Hi, I'm Rourke, owner of Excel Auto Body. No matter if the damage is minor or major, you'll want to choose us now. So if you are ever in an accident, you'll be ready. And remember, it's your choice what body shop you go to. Choose Excel Auto Body. It's your car, our reputation. Slow down. Slow down and move over. And move over. When you see lights, vests, all reflectors, please give us some room. Slow down and move over. When you need us, we've got your back. You have ours. You got our back? You got ours? You got our back? Please, slow down. And move over. The camera momentarily. Hello, friends. Brian Gailey, Clown Falls News. Welcome back to Ask Klamath. Uh, we're joined here today by uh, Colonel Jeff Edwards. Thank you for being here. He's the commander of the 173rd Kingsley Field out there. Uh, we're talking all things Kingsley and uh, answering some of those questions. But before we get started on those, those questions, this segment is actually brought to you by Coastal Farm and Ranch. They're they've been serving you in the Pacific Northwest at 17 locations, including Klamath Falls at 1776 Avalon Street. Since 1963, we're just what the country needs, Coastal Farm Farm and Ranch. Thanks, Coastal, for being a sponsor, helping us bring you this information. So, uh, Colonel, we have a few more questions uh, talking about what's going on in Kingsley today and in, in, in most recent uh, news that's going on. You guys just had a pretty busy time when you took over uh, as commander and you had some generals present, and it was a pretty busy three days, I understand. It was a busy three days, a lot going on. Uh, we also had, in addition to the change of command, we had Colonel Smith's retirement ceremony and retreat. And at the same time, we also were kick, kicking off our Cascadia airlift exercise. So definitely a lot going on. A lot of stuff going on. Yeah. And it's good to see it all going on, too. We, uh, being a, a lifer here, if you would, I've lived my whole life here, and Kingsley's just an integral part. And hearing the jets at night, in my, in my mind, is part of that sound of freedom. And I think that's awesome. So uh, what is actually happening with Kingsley? What, what things going on? Is it growing? Is it shrinking? What's, what's going on? Yeah, Kingsley Field right now is... Uh, right now, we are pretty much um, maintaining our current uh, workforce size, uh, we're, and uh, but in that, I think we we are basically posturing for any future opportunities that may, may be asked for us by the Air National Guard or the mm -hmm. Air Force. But for right now, we are basically maintaining that primary mission with our current uh, workforce. So um, you, you talk about primary mission right now. Is there any, we're gonna talk future in a little bit. I'm gonna kind of lead into that here in just a minute, but is there some stuff for happening on the horizon for the future of Kingsley? Yeah, I think uh, on the immediate horizon right now is we've got um, some 
a couple of major construction projects that are going on the way mm -hmm. um, that are going to come in uh, to do some construction on our airfield in particular, looking at the parking ramp and also the taxiway. And we also have some uh, in, in construction that's going to happen with the erosion control facility. So the, those are some big events that are going to be happening uh, in the near future. Okay. So one of the, you mentioned the, the taxiway project. Is that impacting the, the your services, the Air National Guard training? Is that going to adversely affect you guys this summer? No, it will not adversely affect us. Uh, we've been working with our city partners and the planners to basically mitigate and develop alternate taxi routes so it won't mm -hmm. uh, significantly impact our mission. Probably some small delays with uh, taxiing, but not enough to really impact our ability to operate and conduct our mission. I'd imagine it's gonna be done in chunks too, kind of segments as they move along. Yeah, you bet, Brian. So we've got that phased out. And with each one of those phases, we've been working with, this, with our partners in the city to develop taxi routes that are going to make sense, not only for us, but also for our civilian air traffic partners. All right. So we actually had some questions asked ahead of time. Um, Willie Rodriguez has, has asked, as a person slightly above the A&G <coughs> maximum age service, service age, I'm, I'm tongue twisting this whole thing. I would like to know your feelings on the age limitations with regards to your unit's ability to fill vacancies in critical and skilled roles. Yeah, you bet, Brian. I think, um, first of all, I think it's great that a lot of uh, our community members want to serve and help out with the base, and that's fantastic. And that's one of the things that's been awesome here at Kingsley Field is have that level of community support and people that want to step up and serve. Uh, right now, uh, there are uh, limitations on when you can enter into the service. Um, if you're non-prior service, that limitation is, is basically age 40 if you were to initially enter in. Um, so there are some limits on that, but however, there are still other opportunities if you don't meet those age requirements to contribute and to serve. Mm -hmm. Specifically, there are some positions out there that are uh, non-uniform positions that are government paid positions called Title V positions. We do have uh, Title V employees throughout our workforce out there. Some of them are even mechanics and working on the jets and highly skilled and uh, are absolutely critical to being able to conduct our mission. So even though a person may not meet age requirements for service, there's definitely other opportunities out there to join the workforce or contribute to the mission. Do you know how somebody might find out about any availabilities in, in those Title V jobs? Absolutely, I think the best way is probably to contact the recruiting office, the storefront downtown, mm -hmm. and, and inquire about what are the availabilities of, of jobs. Okay. Awesome. Uh, Brandon Fowler is actually asking, it's uh, a little bit about Century Eagle and, and whatnot. He says, first, I want to thank you, Colonel Edwards, for your service. Can you update us on when we can expect Century Eagle to return? I understand it's out this year because of the taxiway construction. When can we expect it back? Yeah, so um, due to the taxiway construction um, for this year, 2020, I'm sorry, excuse me, 2019 and uh, 2020, most likely uh, Century Eagle will be delayed until 2021. We're hopeful that can happen, mm -hmm. but that's still to be determined. We're still in the planning stages of figuring out when exactly that construction is going to be done and then when we might be able to host an exercise. But we're definitely going to keep uh, the public informed that the best we can of when we do uh, and uh, estimate that that would happen. All right. Uh, off camera over here, Sergeant Shear is hiding out. Sergeant, do you happen to know when our last Century Eagle was? 2017. 2017 is when we held the last one. And, and Colonel, could you explain what Century Eagle is to maybe the viewers that might not know? Yeah, you bet. Uh, Century Eagle is an, the Air National Guard's largest air-to-air -air combat training exercise, and we typically invite 
uh, over 10 different units. Most of them are Air National Guard, but we have had active duty mm -hmm. uh, units participate. And basically for a, th a four day period, we simulate mock air to air combat scenarios in our training airspace about 100 miles east of here. Mm -hmm. And it's a tremendous air to air training com uh, combat capability. And the feedback over the past two decades has really been, this is a great place to train. It's a great community. And people leave here feeling like um, Klamath Falls community was just outstanding host for them and they got really valuable training. And at the end of the day, they had a lot of fun too. So all three of those things together has made Century Eagle just a, a fantastic exercise and something we definitely want to continue in the future. And, and cool part for the civilians among us is there's an open house too. And people get to come in and check it out and, and actually stand kind of at the edge of the ramp and watch pilots get ready and all that too. Absolutely. And typically on a, on a Saturday during that Century Eagle, we'd have an open house. Typically our attendance has been over 10,000 people. And oftentimes we get air demonstrations either they're in from the Navy or from the Air Force and really put on a good open house for folks. And uh, where else can you get to see, you know, pilots stepping out to go to the mission? I know that's typically part of that mm -hmm. open house. Hey, we got some pilots stepping to go to their mission. You get to see them launch out, take off. So really adds a special component that maybe you're not going to see at your typical open house or air show. And again, I think that it goes back to the connectedness of us and the local community, which really goes back decades. And it's a very special thing and we're very thankful for. As a pilot, how does it feel to have an audience when you're getting ready to take off? I, honestly, it feels a little strange. <laughs> uh, you're not used to being uh, observed, and uh, quite frankly, I think um, all of us know that, hey, this is our job to go out there and to fly this training mission, and we're going to do the best we can. And uh, But we also know that we just need to make an effort to say thank you and wave and say hello, so that is an important part of that mission is to and make eye contact and tell people thanks for, for being here. Well, I know I know for us, it's always been one of those favorite things that we like to cover and, and be at. My kids always enjoy going and and you know seeing the stagnant displays. Uh, there might be some civilian aircraft as well as the the larger heavy aircraft come in. Um, and you know, uh, I remember one of the uh, the helicopters. I want to say it was like a Chinook helicopter was there when the medical uh, from the Army National Guard was was there as well. So uh, always a good fun time. Definitely. Always. Can't wait to see that return. So 2021, we're hopeful, fingers crossed? Hopeful, and we'll definitely try to do our best to keep the public informed of what we're looking at and what the possibilities are. We're definitely hopeful for 2021. Awesome. So Claudia Marbury actually had a statement, um, says, anytime you're ready to put a canine program into place, you know I'm here. So it leads me to a question. Are there any plans for a canine unit in, in the 173rd? No, uh, no, Brian, not at this time. Okay. Short, sweet, right to the point. <laughs> All right. Um, so something else, uh, this week we've actually been having uh, a whole lot of night takeoffs. The night flights have been happening this week. It's really cool, as I mentioned earlier, for me being a lifer here, the sound of the jets is more soothing than it is disruptive, uh, even if it is at, you know, 1030 at night and you're laying in bed and, you know, oh, oh, there's one, you know. Uh, I know there's a whole lot of other people out there like that. Um, but also, like me, I like to watch them. You know, I've been fortunate enough that Sergeant Scherer and, and Captain Schuster and, and whatnot have been able to get me out on the flight line just a few feet off of the, the tarmac, and you can actually feel the thunder as they're going by. If somebody's wanted to check it out, is there a good safe place nearby that they can watch the night flights take off? I'd recommend that, uh, you know, people be someplace, you know, if we're launching to the north, pretty much if you're in any part of the northern or in, in the area north of the airfield, you know you're going to be able to see it and the, the cool thing about it is is 
there'll be no doubt you're going to hear it and you're mm -hmm. going to see a long burner trail about the length of the jet and uh, it'll be a, a nice sight to see so regardless of whether you get close up to the runway or you're far away I think the thing that we ask folks is um, to please not congregate at the north end of the runway just for safety concerns for mm -hmm. our pilots and for traffic concerns uh, so while we don't necessarily have a designated area for folks to watch we know that if they're anywhere in the vicinity uh, north of the bypass in that area in town at a friend's house you can probably hear us or look up and see a, a a nice takeoff of an F-15 after dark. Nice, but certainly don't be blocking the roads, don't be parking Absolutely. on the side of the roads, things like that. So uh, good safety stuff there that you don't, you know, in case something happens, right? Yeah. We all, for, heaven forbid that something were to happen, but we certainly don't want uh, traffic backups and people safety concerns, right? right? So, all right. Um, guys, actually, we're going to be taking a commercial break here. Um, we'll be right back in just a couple minutes. But before that, I want you to know now is a great time to get your questions in for Colonel Edwards. We'll be back in just two minutes. Three big shows at this year's Klamath County Fair. Thursday night, August 1st, rooted in tradition in both sound and style. The Trio Midland. cigarettes burn the 2018 ACM Awards New Vocal Group of the Year, Midland, Thursday night, August 1st. Pre-sale party zone tickets are 30 bucks and general admission are 10. Friday night, August 2nd, newcomer John Wolfe will bring world-class country music from the American heartland to the stage at the Klamath County Fairgrounds. John Wolfe. It's the girl in Texas. Pre-sale party zone tickets are $10 each. And Saturday night, August 3rd, touting several platinum selling albums, 10 number one singles, and multiple ACM and CMA awards. Woo! And now at the Klamath County Fair, Lone Star. Pre-sale party zone tickets are $15 and general admission are 10 at the fairgrounds and online at KlamathCountyFair.com. You can have your car taken to the shop of your choice. So my friend had her car taken to Excel Auto Body because she heard about their reputation for excellent work. They even gave her a written warranty that's good for as long as she owns that car. So Excel Auto Body is a very smart choice. Hi, I'm Rorick, owner of Excel Auto Body. No matter if the damage is minor or major, you'll want to choose us now. So if you are ever in an accident, you'll be ready. And remember, it's your choice what body shop you go to. Choose Excel Auto Body. It's your car, our reputation. Slow down. Slow down and move over. And move over. When you see lights, vests, or reflectors, please give us some room. Slow down and move over. When you need us, we've got your back. You have ours. You got our back? You got ours? You got our back? Please, slow down. And move over. Hello, friends. Brian Gailey here, Klamath Falls News. Welcome back to Ask Klamath. We're joined here today by Colonel Jeff Edwards, the commander, the new commander of the 173rd Fighter Wing out at Kingsley Field. Uh, today, uh, actually, this segment is actually brought to you by the Klamath County Fairgrounds. Uh, they want you to know there's quite a few things happening this weekend. The Cody Sipes Memorial Motocross Race is happening both Friday and Saturday. The, as long, along with the OG Boards Cornhole Tournament, they're happening in conjunction with that. Uh, next week, Lithia, Audio, Lithia, Lithia Auto is having an off-site sale, and there's a public meeting on the pipeline next Thursday as well. So if you're interested in that, you're going to want to check that out. Uh, find out what the Klamath County Fairgrounds can do for you and what else is going on over at kcfairgrounds.org. 
So, Colonel, you ready for some more questions? I'm ready. We talked about some cool stuff already. We answered some questions that we got early, uh, talked about the current status of Kingsley and answered some stuff. Um, now I'm kind of curious more about the future of Kingsley. Um, do we have any idea of what the long-term mission is going to be? I hear a lot of that buzzword, the mission of Kingsley, and there's always look forward thinking, forward looking. Do we know what that may be? Well, uh, Brian, right now our primary focus is on our mission today, which is extremely important and extremely relevant, and that's training F-15 pilots. As you know, we're the only F-15 schoolhouse for the F-15C model for the Guard and the active duty Air Force. So uh, we approach that uh, with a lot of vigor right now, but we also have our eye on the future, as you say, mm -hmm. and we know that uh, we're well postured for whatever future mission that the Air National Guard or the Air Force may ask us to do. You know, we have a great training location. We have fa fabulous weather here. We have incredible airspace opportunities, as we mentioned about reference right. our Century Eagle discussion. And then, you know, we just have a fantastic training culture over the past 30 years in different airframes. You know, F-4, F-16, F-15, we've really grown a culture where we have the capability to do some incredible things. So we know that if we continue to focus on our mission excellence today, that will open up doors for whatever the Air National Guard and the Air Force needs us to do in the future. And we're, we're very confident of that. And I know you're not going to give me a specific plane or a specific yeah. model no. number. I just know this. But is there anything that the Air Force and the Air National Guard may be leaning to versus something else? Um, there's several options out there. I probably wouldn't uh, say specific airframes. Um, but I would tell you that whatever, you know, if you're talking fighter training, whatever fighter that is, uh, we have the, definitely the capability, we have the, the culture and the expertise to quickly move into that and transition to that and be a viable asset for the Air National Guard and the Air Force. All right. The answer I expected to hear. <laughs> uh, what about personnel? Are we looking to, I'm hearing rumors of, of the base ramping up its personnel, more 15s coming in or anything like that. Is there any truth to that? Are we growing like that in the future? Um, currently, we're not uh, projected to grow in the immediate future for ramping up in terms of that. Um, so uh, for right now, um, no is the answer to that. Okay. Yeah. Good. I know there's a lot of concern real estate and things like that and families coming in and mm -hmm. there's some concerns. So I hear that quite a bit. Uh, good to know that there isn't an immediate uh, expansion in that. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, so how soon do you anticipate having a decision on this future mission? Is this something that we're 10 years down the road? Is it three years down the road? Uh, well, Brian, I would, I would probably say that um, sometime within the next five years, we'll probably get a good idea of what that looks like mm -hmm. on the other side, uh, whether we're asked to continue our current mission or transition to uh, a new mission. So again, those, as uh, those decisions work through uh, the highest levels so the Department of Defense within the Air National Guard and our state leadership, uh, we'll do our best to keep the community advised on where we might be going in the future and work with them to ensure that um, we continue a strong relationship. Okay. Uh, we mentioned in the last segment there a bit about uh, your construction projects. You just had a major construction project with the firehouse, the Kingsley Field Fire Department. Beautiful new facility. Got to take a tour of that uh, a couple mm -hmm. of weeks ago. Um, very, very nice place that you guys have there. The taxiway construction's coming up. Is there some other things that are happening on base? Uh, that are kind of projected out in the next couple of years? Right, so I mentioned the con corrosion control facility. Uh, that uh, project, that's definitely gonna be very, very helpful um, for us and our capability. 
to maintain our airplanes, and it's also going to be a viable facility for the future for a long, long time. So we're very excited to see what that is going to bring in our capabilities. Okay. Um, let's see. Taking a look at here, some other questions. So what, what can people of Klamath Falls do to help ensure Kingsley stays here and that it doesn't go, you know, somewhere else where they can use the same airspace. They're just <clears throat> moving to a different ramp in a different airfield. Well, I think, uh, Brian, this community is, is, is unbelievably supportive and we're so thankful for this amazing community. You know, where else can you um, walk around town and people uh, tell you thank you for your service so, so often? Mm -hmm. And we know that many communities support their military but I would tell you that, by and large, the visitors that we come and visit our base, the students that come in and out of our base, they, they basically leave saying, wow, this, this town really supports its military. We see people helping us out off base. Uh, we just see a level of community support that's what, what is going on there. And I think what's going on is if you go back 20, 30 years, all, all the folks prior to my service here have really worked hard to develop that relationship with our community. So when you ask what can you do better, I'd basically say uh, what, what they're doing right now is phenomenal, above, above and beyond what anybody could uh, say is uh, a reasonable expectation. And that really has a strategic importance to us here is, you know, when you look at long-term viability of a mission and a base, if, if you don't have community support, you're just not going to be in that business probably for a long time. Well, mm -hmm. I think at the very highest levels, and we had the visit from the Secretary of the Air Force uh, this past November, you know, it's recognized that our community is tremendously supportive, and we're just very, very grateful for that. Now, the support that the community has for Kingsley, is that typical of other uh, installations? You know, it, say in California, you know, it, it, those those bases there are Washington or even even in foreign lands. Is, is that support typical? I would say it's not typical. Uh, while I haven't visited... <clears throat> Uh, every uh, uh, every one of the locations that you speak of, I would say that primarily we know this to be true from um, military members that are stationed here and have been stationed other places. Mm -hmm. And students that flow in and out of here and have been stationed other places, it paints a picture from the feedback that they give us that this is not typical, this is special, and it's greatly appreciated. That's good to know. Being here and, and being around it and being a local and, and knowing that and experiencing that, sometimes we don't know what happens in other communities. You're right. And, right. and so to know that what we're doing here is kind of special and how we're supporting the base and things like that right. is, and, is good to know. And as a further example, I mean, when <clears throat> we recently were able to get a lease extended um, out to 2095, mm -hmm. and uh, that is just unbelievable. And that is something that was almost kind of unheard of in the Air Force, that an uh, installation could get a lease to 2095. and what a testament to this community and the amazing support that the community is willing to say, you know what, we believe in Kingsley Field and we want to see you around until 2095. I Just unbelievable and we're so grateful for that. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, I've, I've actually never heard of that either, anywhere either. So that is a pretty neat feature. Uh, so guys, we're actually going to take our last commercial break here. We're going to have uh, just two minutes. We'll be right back. But now, like I said, it's a great time to get those uh, questions in for Colonel Edwards right here. Uh, he's going to be taking them live next. We'll be right back. People say I got a Big shows at this year's Klamath County Fair. Thursday night, August 1st, rooted in tradition in both sound and style, the Trio Midland. 
the 2018 ACM Awards New Vocal Group of the Year, Midland, Thursday night, August 1st. Pre-sale party zone tickets are 30 bucks and general admission are 10. Friday night, August 2nd, newcomer John Wolf will bring world-class country music from the American heartland to the stage at the Klamath County Fairgrounds. John Wolf. It's the girl in Texas. Pre-sale party zone tickets are $10 each. And Saturday night, August 3rd, touting several platinum-selling albums, 10 number one singles, and multiple ACM and CMA awards. Woo! And now at the Klamath County Fair, Lone Star. Pre-sale party zone tickets are $15 and general admission are 10 at the fairgrounds and online at KlamathCountyFair.com. You can have your car taken to the shop of your choice. So my friend had her car taken to Excel Auto Body because she heard about their reputation for excellent work. They even gave her a written warranty that's good for as long as she owns that car. So Excel Auto Body is a very smart choice. Hi, I'm Rourke, owner of Excel Auto Body. No matter if the damage is minor or major, you'll want to choose us now. So if you are ever in an accident, you'll be ready. And remember, it's your choice what body shop you go to. Choose Excel Auto Body. It's your car, our reputation. Slow down. Slow down and move over. And move over. When you see lights, vests, or reflectors, please give us some room. Slow down and move over. When you need us, we've got your back. Do you have ours? You got our back? You got ours? You got our back? Please, slow down. And move over. Hello, friends. Brian Gailey, Clown Falls News. Welcome back to Ask Klamath, presented by the Klamath County Fairgrounds. Joining us today is Colonel Jeff Edwards. I always want to say Jeff Smith. I'm going to really bite my tongue on that. I know I'm going to be tongue-tied on that for a while. Uh, Colonel Edwards has been joining us. We've been talking about a lot of good stuff. Um, he is the new commander of the 173rd Fighter Wing, and we're going to be taking your questions next. But before we do that, I want to let you know that we have partnered with the Klamath County Fairgrounds Wold Amusements, Diamond S Meat Company, Ace Towing, The Great Northwest Pro Rodeo, and Shasta Family Dental to bring you the ultimate fair experience. Uh, right now, you can head over to our website over at klamathfallsnews.org slash ultimatefair to enter into a contest where you can win a lot of cool stuff. Two tickets to each of the three concerts, Midland, John Wolf, and Lone Star. Two tickets to each night of the rodeo. Four Golden Carnival wristband coupons. Those are the ones that get you into the carnival rides all weekend long. Four 2019 season passes to the fair. And we're also throwing in 100 bucks worth of fair food as well. Somebody's going to win it. It might as well be you. Head over to climatefallsnews.org slash ultimate fair. It's right there on the screen. Head over there. Open a new tab in your browser right now and check it out. Uh, we just name an email and you're entered in to win. Somebody's going to win. There's also prizes for second and third. climatefallsnews.org slash ultimate fair. So, with that out of the way, did you enter yet? Have you entered? I've not entered. Well, we need to fix that. <laughs> so, this segment, uh, Colonel, we actually call it our soapbox. It's an opportunity for our guests to talk a bit about whatever's on their mind. What happens to be on your mind today? Well, on what's on my mind today is, and I know we just talked about this, is you know how grateful I am to be here in Klamath Falls in this community, and having been at Kingsley Field and seeing the level of community support, it, it just really is fantastic. The other thing that excites me is the involvement of the community in the base. You know, we see, we just had an exercise, and in that exercise, 
uh, we were able to partner with the Civil Air Patrol, and that's that Cascadia airlift mm -hmm. exercise. So we're seeing some really unique opportunities to partner with the community and increasing our preparedness for natural disasters. And just being a part of the community is such a tremendous opportunity. So um, my, my message really to you tonight is I think we have a lot, an exciting and bright future to continue our relationship with the Klamath Falls and Klamath County communities. And uh, let's see what we can do. It's, it's a bright future. Now, you mentioned the Cascadia event uh, and that exercise that you guys participated in. Are you able to talk a bit about what that was, that mission yeah, itself? Absolutely. So uh, what we're looking to do is basically test our airfield's capabilities to be an air logistics hub, basically supplies and equipment staging them there to respond to a Cascadia subduction zone type of event where mm -hmm. perhaps uh, the coastal areas are inundated or flooded and they need relief effort primarily in terms of tactical airlifts. So C-130 aircraft, maybe helicopters. Given our position on the east side of the Cascades, we think that we'd be in a good position with still an operable runway to launch airplanes out uh, to support coastal areas and provide that relief effort. So this Cascadia airlift exercise is really a way for us to take a, a deep dive into saying how are our capabilities, what can we do better, what are some things that we can do better to partner with government agencies, with local agencies mm -hmm. to, to robust our capability to respond. So we see a lot of uh, great opportunity to this. And this is the second year that we did this and we're going to basically continue this every year. We are really thankful for our partners that helped us to put this together, including, like I mentioned, the Civil Air Patrol. We also worked with, a, with some uh, C-130 units out of Little Rock, Arkansas. So very, very thankful for the participation in that. So and what, what it kind of alludes to is there's more to the 173rd in Kingsley Field than just the F-15s, right? Definitely. We, uh, we have a state mission, and that's to um, serve Oregon. And that means... Uh, the governor or the adjutant general needs us to respond to natural disasters, to wildfires, um, and have that uh, civic response that we're able to and ready to respond to that. And we definitely have uh, been able to do that in the past. And last year we helped out with fire season with some teams, and we're preparing to do that again this year. Now, uh, Kingsley is a mixture of uh, National Guard, uh, active duty, and those private sector uh, employees, right? Do, do many of the uh, being the National Guard, say there's a call for a wildfire and they're going to send troops uh, to go help with that fire off Kingsley. Is that mainly just the Guard members or is that going to be active duty as well? Or how right. does that kind of work out? Right. So those uh, fire, so the way it works out is we have teams of folks that are basically uh, trained up and ready to go. And if the governor or the adjutant general call them into state active duty service, that they have the appropriate fire training to go and serve. And those are all uh, military members on those teams. Okay. And is there anything else that uh, maybe those guard members would do outside, outside of the 173rd umbrella, but still Kingsley? Is there any of those type of things? I don't know if I'm phrasing the question yeah. right. Well, I think one of the things uh, is, um, you know, if you, we have um, a state uh, fire department there. We talked about the new fire department, mm -hmm. uh, state employees that uh, run our fire department, and there is a mutual aid agreement for our Kingsley Fire Department to respond and help the local community. Uh, so you see many times where Kingsley Fire Department and our, our great team there, our state employees, respond to off-base uh, situations to help out, or 911 calls, or fires, or wherever they're needed in that mutual aid agreement. Okay. Anything else you'd like to bring up in your soapbox time? No. 
All right. Thank you. Well, let's take a look here and see what questions we may have. Uh, even though she's sitting here, she's actually asking a question. It's kind of interesting how that works, right? Uh, Sergeant over here is asking, how can my daughter become a pilot? What can she do now as a high schooler? Right. So I think um, that's, first of all, uh, that's an outstanding uh, aspiration. And uh, I think that there's a lot of opportunities to get into the pilot path for being in the military. I definitely encourage um, her or any uh, young man or woman to reach out to um, if they have high school advisors. That was the first person that I reached out to and saying, hey, I wanted to be a pilot, but I don't know what, what to do. And that's mm -hmm. kind of how I got vectored onto one commissioning source, and that's the Air Force Academy. But the bottom line is, is that I think um, there's a lot of uh, available resources in each school to help students discern that. And I also think that uh, I recommend that they look at the different opportunities in the different branches of service. So uh, within the, you've got opportunities to basically commission into the Air National Guard and go to pilot training. You could also go to Reserve Officer Training Corps, for example, at, one, at a state university. And many mm -hmm. different schools have a program there where you can get a commission as an officer and also go to pilot training. So that's an opportunity. Uh, there's also an opportunity to basically uh, go directly into officer training school if you have a college degree and then go straight into the Air Force and try to get a, uh, a slot as a pilot there. So, and then finally, um, there's also an opportunity to get into the Air Force Academy. So basically, you're looking at uh, three or four different avenues to where the first step is, is get a commission as an officer and then uh, get on the path to become a pilot. Now, is there still a pilot shortage? You were hearing that long, a while back. Yes, there's still a pilot shortage of about 2,000 pilots in the Air Force. So just the Air Force alone? Correct. Not including any of the other branches or the uh, you know, public aircraft, commercial airlines? Right. I think it, the number is about 2,000 and within the Air Force. Okay. So they're looking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So taking a look here, any other questions? Um, in regards to photography, actually, will photographer holes be put in acceptable places in the fencing. I think this is related to a mm. uh, an article that came out a while back. I want to say it was the Toronto International Airport up in Canada put little uh, portholes, if you would, in mm. their fencing for photographers to be able to photograph through. Is there any opportunity for something like that? No, we don't have any plans. And our primary concern is just for the uh, safety and security of the perimeter of the airfield. I, I would imagine so. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, Ryan Schnee, actually from uh, KTVL, has got a question on here. I don't see the whole thing. Maybe Sam can help me read it. Uh, but what I do see is uh, I've always been curious about night flying and how often it's and then it disappears. All right, so he says, sorry I'm late. was on the 6 p.m. news. I've always been curious about night flying and how often it's being done. How crucial is this to training? How crucial is night flying to training? Absolutely crucial. Um, it's definitely a skill that we need and actual air to air combat. Um, many of the combat missions that I flew on were night missions. So we need to be proficient in night combat operations. And the only way to do that is to practice. So we definitely have a, that as an important part of our training syllabus here um, and to get students ready for the realistic uh, combat scenarios that they're likely to face. And, and, you, and the, the appropriate part here is it is the combat. The, even though the, the takeoffs are, are very exciting, right, and you see it and, you, right. you, you know, the fireball coming out of the jet, you're not doing it to practice takeoff and landing, are you? You're doing it to go practice air-to-air -air combat in the airspace to Eastern Oregon. Absolutely, and that's, that's 
that's the skill that we need to teach to our students so that they have the skills needed to be um, lethal and survivable in combat mm -hmm. and be an effective uh, fighter pilot in combat. Now, we, we mentioned airspace a few times, but that's actually a pretty big deal to Kingsley as, as well, right? I mean, I don't, I don't have a copy of the chart, but last time I was out at the base, I saw it in, in the newest expansive airspace. You've got a lot of land to work with, don't you, or airspace to work a with? Absolutely. We're very fortunate to have a chunk of airspace about 170 miles long by about 60 miles wide. And to put that in their perspective, it's nearly the same size as the Nellis training ranges north of Las Vegas where they do red flag exercises. So the difference being is uh, our airspace isn't used that much. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of capacity and avail availability to conduct training where other airspaces may have high density, many different flying training units trying to compete for airspace time. So we're very fortunate and very thankful to have that large chunk of airspace. Now, the, uh, the airspace, the ground that the airspace is over, is that typical of what uh, a pilot may experience as well in combat zones? Absolutely, and it's a key part of our training to be able to train um, to a, an all-altitude type of scenario where pilots may have to descend to lower altitude to survive um, a threat. They may have to descend to lower altitude to egress safely. So whereas maybe you're training over water, um, that's valuable training, but actually being able to train over um, actual terrain where the terrain varies, having ridge lines, mountaintops, uh, excellent realistic training capability that pilots need to see. And not all places have that. Not mm -hmm. all places have that type of airspace. All right. Good to know. So taking a look here, I'm actually not seeing any other questions, but we had some great questions there, guys. Thanks for getting those in. Anything else that you would like to add before we uh, wrap up this today, Colonel? No, I just uh, really appreciate your time today, Brian. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. I appreciate you being here and being a guest on our show, and I appreciate you guys out there watching as well. Thank you. This has actually been our 40th episode here of Ask Klamath. Uh, the show wouldn't be here without our sponsors, and it certainly wouldn't be here without you guys watching and, and, and doing what you do, and, and, and thank you all for, for doing that. Um, Ask Klamath. I'm going to actually just kind of wrap this up and close it up. So again, thank you, sir. Ask Klamath is a production of Klamath Falls News. It's hosted by myself, Brian Geely. I'm the uh, owner of Klamath Falls News. Production today has actually been done by my daughter over there, Samantha. There she is. Thank you. She's actually uh, backing up my son who happens to be heading off to football camp today. So good luck to him up there. Uh, it's a family show here at Klamath Falls News. So uh, we, I couldn't do it without my kids either. Uh, if you did not catch the entire live broadcast, that's okay because as soon as Facebook's done doing its magic, you can rewatch it anytime right here on our page. You can also head over to AskKlamath.com and rewatch any of our 40 episodes prior. We even have one of Colonel Smith on here from uh, season two, I believe it was. Um, if we've entertained you, if you learned something, give this thing a like, comment, share, let us know. Let your friends know about the show as well. Uh, share that love. Um, Next week, our guest will be Jesse Widener. He is the executive director of Klamath Film. We're going to be talking about the film festival coming up this fall, as well as some film projects uh, possibly coming to the basin. So there's some cool things happening there. On behalf of my guest, Colonel Edwards, uh, I'm Brian Gailey. Thank you all for watching. We'll see you guys around the basin.